go ahead and open up to Proverbs 31. We are taking a little detour from our verse-by-verse, line-by-line, book-by-book study through the book of Acts. And uh, if you guys have been going here for a while, you know this is really unusual for Pastor Chris. I don't usually just like do automatically like a Mother's Day sermon. Um, I kind of just typically have always just felt led to keep going where we're going. All God's word's good. I mean, I can go anywhere and it'll be beneficial to us. But I really felt strongly from Monday when I first started praying that like this is where I was supposed to be. So I think it's a, definitely a, a word from the Lord um, for us today. And, and there was a lot of discouragement to give it all throughout the week. So that's usually a telltale sign for me that um, it definitely is even more of a word for us. So um, just to kind of start out, I want to give you an, an application that kind of help you understand how or remind us the proper way to view God's word. Um, I was thinking about when I tell my kids to do something and if they don't think that it'll be good for them, if they don't understand why I'm telling them why I'm, what I'm telling them or they think they have a better idea of something better for them, it typically can lead to some sort of resistance in being obedient to what I'm asking. Have you parents experienced that in your lives? I'm sure if you haven't experienced, you've done that same thing to your parents, right? In their minds, I'm burdening them with rules to follow that they don't want to because they think they know better, all right? When in reality, I'm not looking to burden them, but rather bless them by telling them something that I'm confident will lead to good things in their life for them, all right, if they obey. And in much the same way, we can mistakenly approach God's word as a set of rules to follow that we're supposed to do to make God happy with us that we don't always understand or we don't always agree with because we have limited understanding. And that can lead to us seeing God's word as a burden, if that's the way we're looking at it, when in reality... Through your faith in Jesus, you've already been made as right as you could be in God's eyes, whether you follow his word or not. That's the reason he had to die for you, because the reality is you couldn't follow his word. Okay, so it's not about that. His happiness with you isn't dependent on your obedience, but rather your happiness in life is what is dependent on your own obedience. It's not his happiness that matters To him, it's your happiness. And that's why he's given you a word as he intends to lead you into the blessing he desires for you through it. So it's important that we look at God's word correctly in this way. As again, as I shared in the beginning, nobody has a problem with listening to something that they feel is going to be beneficial for them. Okay, And all of God's word is good because he's good. It's all beneficial. And so in celebration of the women the Lord has blessed us with in our lives, seeing as today's Mother's Day... We're going to look at what God's word says, the, the, the characteristics God values in his precious daughters, which he refers to as a virtuous woman. Something that's important for us to know and be reminded of often because, A, it's quite opposite of what the world would tell you of the characteristics that matter in a woman. And if we get sucked into believing what the world says, it can lead to a woman feeling unfulfilled or discontent and missing out on what God truly knows will make them happy and blessed. And then another thing it can do, it can lead to men looking for the wrong attributes in women instead of valuing the characteristics God does, that God 
has said will not only lead to blessing for them, but will lead to blessing for their husbands and their kids and their household as well. And so as such, we don't want to make the mistake as men in looking and encouraging the wrong things, but rather the right things in helping our wives in those things so that there's blessing in our household. Amen? We're going to be in Proverbs 31, and the first verse tells us what this chapter is. It says in Proverbs 31, 1, the words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. Okay, so an oracle, some of your, if you have the King James, it says prophecy. Uh, it's words spoken forth by God. Or the writer basically understood that this wasn't just wisdom that his mother shared with him, but basically these were the very words of God himself that his mother shared with him. Now, there's no mention of King Lemuel anywhere else in Scripture, so we can't know for sure who he is. But since he's not listed as a Jewish king, which the Bible lists the the lineage of Jewish kings, some commentators think he was like a pagan king that believed in the Jewish God, Yahweh. Maybe his mother being the one that introduced him to the one and only true God. And as such, he looked to God for wisdom, the name Lemuel literally meaning belonging to God. Other commentators think that this name was just kind of like a pen name. Like sometimes authors have different names that they use on their books. And so maybe it was a pen name for a Jewish king. Maybe perhaps some think it could be Solomon because Solomon is uh, uh, told in Scripture as being who wrote uh, quite a bit of the Proverbs. So some think that, but basically we can't know for sure. Um, but it's not really important. Basically, it's it's God's word. And so whoever wrote it, this is God's wisdom And it says uh, in verses 2 through 9, or basically 2 through 9, they go on. We're going to start in verse 10, but 2 through 9, they go on to focus mainly on two warnings this king's mother gave him or advice um, about two things, about women and about wine. Wine or alcohol not being a wise thing to partake in for kings or rulers or anyone in leadership, in essence, if they want to be an effective leader because one of the requirements of being a good leader is that you have full use of your faculties or that you're sober Minded. Basically, the Bible goes on to talk about that in First Timothy 3, that if you want to be an elder or deacon in the church, you should not be of wine or given over to wine or have a lot of wine because it can compromise your sober-mindedness and in, in being used by God. And then the second thing uh, regarding advice about women, starting in verse 10, the king goes on to describe characteristics of a virtuous or moral woman that his mother taught him. Basically, this is a mother teaching her son of the attributes he should be looking for in a woman to marry and of the virtues he should be praising his wife for once he is married. And these characteristics that God desires for a woman um, are what we're going to be looking at today. And one thing that I think is pretty cool and important to note right off the bat because it shows kind of the importance of what's found in this section of Scripture is that in the original Hebrew language, each of the 22 verses from verses 10 through 31 begin with a successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet, or basically it's what's called an acrostic poem. So the purpose of that would be to make it easier to memorize. So just like we have a song to learn the ABCs, this would be the ABCs of a virtuous woman. That was kind of the intent in making it like that. So you could memorize this and understand it, all right? So let me go ahead and read the text we're going to be in and then we'll pray and we'll start breaking it down so starting in verse 10 it says 
An excellent wife, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She, she seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchants. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, such a it's just powerful enough to read those verses, Lord. Surely many of us, not all of us, have experienced the blessing of the the mothers, the the women that have been influential in our lives, Lord. And we see this to be true, that when a woman's heart is first and foremost for you, there is things that you do in and through her that amount to blessing all around her. And Lord, we are thankful for that. She, as it says, she deserves to be praised. And so Lord, as we go through these uh, passages, these these principles that you've given us i pray that they would be an encouragement lord just as the rest of your word is intended to be an encouragement to persevere to endure to keep going even as you remind us of how hard it is the calling that you've given women and i pray it'd be an encouragement to the men as well lord to to value and praise these attributes that they see in the moms and the wives that you put in their lives, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So an excellent wife, verse 10, or as the King James says, a virtuous woman. Who can find? She's far more precious than jewels. Now, something that I want to point out that's really interesting to note right off the bat is that Hebrew expression used for excellent wife here is the exact same Hebrew expression that's translated Mighty man of valor in Judges 6, 12, which is talking, which is the Lord is directing, if you know the story, to Gideon, who is a guy that's hiding in a wine press, but he's basically telling him, this is what you're going to be because I've called you to defeat the Midianites who were afflicting God's people. So this is what you, you, you are kind of scared and afraid, but you're going to be a mighty man of valor, valor. 
And you see in multiple places throughout this text the use of words that are associated in other parts of Scripture with war and battles, like the word strength in Proverbs 31.17, which is used to describe great and heroic victories in other places in Scripture, like Exodus 15.2 or 1 Samuel 2.10. The idea being given that the woman described in this chapter is powerful in one of strength that experiences victories in the battles she faces in life. How many of you women here feel like life is a battle at times? So in essence, I think the rest of you, man, <laughs> all I hear is how hard it is. It's, it's a battle, right? And so what we see here is we know that the battles won through Jesus, but in essence, we see these attributes shared with us and how a woman can live in that victory, okay? So that's one of the reasons it's important to pay attention. These attributes of what being a strong woman entails being something that society tries to define all around us, right? They tell us every day what a strong woman looks like. But as you're going to see as you go through this, God's definition is very different than what the world says, all right? And it matters more what God says than anyone else. And the woman in this chapter also being described as very valuable in verse 10, just as a precious jewel the value of it's driven by its rarity, so it's rare to find a woman with these qualities. And as such, she should be valued to an even greater degree because whereas jewels might give you some momentary blessing, a woman that loves God, first and foremost, and the resulting qualities that God produces in her, that amounts to blessing that never fades or never ends, all right? Now we're going to get into these specific attributes God desires in his daughters. It says in verse 11, the heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. So the first attribute of a virtuous woman that I want you guys to note, if you're note takers, is that she is trustworthy because her intentions are good. She is trustworthy because her intentions are good. Now, verse 11 is one of only two places in Scripture, Judges 20, 36 being the other one, where trust in anything other than the Lord is not condemned. Okay? Which says something about how valuable a trustworthy woman is. Okay? A godly woman has integrity which allows her to be trusted Her consistent desire is to act in the best interests of those around her. First and foremost, her family, which always is going to be led by what God says in his word, because God's word is the only thing that we can always know that is good, has good intentions. And this will lead to blessing in her home, or as verse 11 says, no lack of gain. And it's important to note that. Because there's some out that would out there that would say, and I've seen the enemy kind of put this into men's heads before, that somehow their wives or that being married is going to hold you back in life in some way. And I'm going to tell you that's a straight up lie. That's not what God's word says. All right. Now there's most certainly additional responsibilities you have to consider in being married. You're responsible for people and stuff like that. But according to verse 11, God's will is that a woman brings great gain to her household and consistently does her family good rather than harm. 
And we will see the many ways in the following verses that she blesses or God uses her to bless her family. Now, on the flip side, a woman that can't be trusted because her intentions are not good or not according to God's word in some measure can take blessing away from her family, which sometimes can be financial or material or a lack of gain. And I think there's no coincidence that this trait is what is listed first is in the context of marriage. Trust is very important, if not the most important characteristic that a husband and wife must have to be on the same page, to be in unity, to be able to move forward in life together. Would you guys agree? I think you see that in the very first husband and wife back in Genesis 2, 25, because if you guys are familiar, when God created Adam and Eve and they brought them together as one, it says before sin entered the picture, it says in Genesis 2, 25, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. There was total security. There was total trust. That's where shame comes from, insecurity and distrust. And as soon as they sinned, guess what? They realized they were naked. They tried to cover up. There was insecurity and there was shame. So in a marriage, and I often teach this when I'm doing pre-marriage counseling, God has brought you together and he is bringing you back to that place of total security and trust. And so we don't want to do anything to cause our spouses to not trust us because it's already ingrained in us because of sin not to do that. And so trust is so important. And and it really, you know, like the reason I I can trust is it's probably the most valuable thing I have in my marriage, you know, in that it allows my me to look at my wife the right way. It trust is why I seek my wife's counsel because I trust her to want what God wants. It's why I share my struggles with her because I trust her not to uncover and shame me. It's why I trust her with responsibility because I know she has our family's best interests in mind. It's it's what gives me complete security in our relationship because I trust her love for me that's been demonstrated by her faithfulness. For me to, you know, really function with her, to be on the same mind, to, to just, you know, be married and, and love each other, that trust is the center of everything that we do together, all right? And so this that's the first quality, this trustworthiness because her intentions are good. Amen? And then it goes on to say in verse 13, she seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it with the fruit of her hands. She plants a vineyard. So, The second attribute of this virtuous woman being that she desires to manage her household well. Now, at first glance, when you read through this section and through this whole section, it can be pretty intimidating looking at all these attributes that God is talking about in this virtuous woman is, I would imagine that any woman that tried to complete this list like hold herself up to it and try to do this like daily, weekly, even monthly for that matter, would just say, oh, heck no. Like like basically, you just tire yourself out to the point of exhaustion and become discouraged, all right? Now, one thing I want to point out is that, A, you're not expected to do all of this, like every single second, 
without any help. And I know that because for one of the reasons I know that is because verse 15 says that this woman also had maidens because households back then often had servants or hired workers, which shows that it's okay to need and have help. Okay, that's not what God's saying here that you're expected to do everything yourself. But the other thing is, I would encourage you that not view it that way because it would be wrong to look at this as some sort of resume, as I said in the beginning, of what it looks like to qualify as God's perfect woman, okay? Remember, you're not perfect because of what you do. You're perfect because of what Jesus did for you, okay? So it's not some sort of resume. The right way to view this passage of scripture is that it is a list of attributes that God desires and produces in women that love him, as he knows that these are the things they will be most fulfilled and blessed in, okay? Because you have to remember, he is the one that made you for the specific good works that he has called you to do in your life, including being a mother and a wife or a woman in general, amen? All right, so obviously if he made you, he knows where you're gonna operate and thrive and get the greatest blessing out of, all right? Now, something that is being pointed out here, and this is important to note, through all these numerous responsibilities that you see that 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 it's saying a woman has, is that it's a huge job, okay? And I point that out because the world doesn't always give women credit for all that they have been tasked with in life. But it is a huge job, and God most certainly understands that as you see him list these things out, all right? It's no small assignment. And as such, since it's God, your creator, that has made you for this, and he knows just how hard it is and how much work is involved, it makes no greater sense than to go to him when you're struggling, when you need help, when you, to empower you to carry it out. Because he knows that, he understands it, and he knows better than anyone else what you need to keep going. Amen? So that's why we need his help to do it. Now, it says a virtuous woman seeks wool and flax, as verse 13 says. Or the idea is that she ensures her family has the resources that they need to survive and thrive. thrive. Basically, those being some of the necessities in that culture. And this is a very culturally relevant um, passage in that there were things that applied to them that don't necessarily apply to us. The principles are the same, but we're not necessarily going and buying a bunch of wool and flax to go make clothes, all right? Um, nowadays, it's called Amazon or Target, all right? At least my wife likes Target. So, um, But all that to say is it looks a little different, but the principle's the same, all right? She wants her family to have the resources they need. And she's willing to serve her family or do things with her own hands to make sure they're taken care of, as it says. She provides food for her family with reliable and intentional regularity, even getting up early if that is what is required, as verse 15 says. Just as it's compared to a merchant ship that would bring food from other places on a regular schedule. All right, now, what verse 14 is speaking of, again, is this desire a virtuous woman should have the means as to which that is accomplished is accomplished is not defined all right and i point that out because that looks different for every family okay maybe she does the majority of the cooking maybe she doesn't all right 
I mean, in, in, in my family, I do a lot of cooking because my wife and I have very different principles of life. I, all right, I live to eat. She eats to live. Very different the way we approach food, all right? And I am a red meat carnivore type of guy. She could take it or leave it. She loves chicken. So it's like, if I'm not, though, I gladly like to be cooking on my Traeger like several nights a week because I know what I'm going to be getting off of that thing. Right? But having said that, I'm just saying it looks different than maybe it does in someone else's household. Maybe she does the grocery shopping. Maybe she keeps the grocery list updated. Maybe she's the one that goes and gets the takeout. Maybe she's tending. If you start to try to dictate what that's supposed to look like specifically, then you run the risk of getting into legalism because you're going above and beyond what scripture actually says. All right? And that's important. We don't want to do that. All right? We don't want to put law on people or on our spouses or in our marriages or in our families that God never asks. Amen? All right? Now, verse 16 says that a virtuous woman also considers her family's future or is forward thinking. She invests her time, efforts, finances, etc., into things that will profit her family. Just as somebody in this culture would look for a suitable field to plant a vineyard, which would take a considerable amount of time and effort, but yield fruit that would be used for her family's betterment. Again, that's something that can look a whole lot of different ways depending on the household. But the principle is that she's looking after her family, okay? It says in verse 17, she dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. And she puts her hands to the distaff, which was like a, a stick, which was used to spin wool or flax on. And her hands hold the spindle. So the third attribute of a virtuous woman being that she's not intimidated by hard work. As made clear in the preceding verses, managing a household is hard work, okay? that's God makes that clear in this passage, among other places. And a virtuous woman is not scared by this, but rather she dresses herself, as verse 17 says. Or some of your translations say, girds herself. Again, another term that would use for, like, battle. The idea being that she readies or prepares herself for something like a godly woman she doesn't run from her responsibility but she shows her strength in going right at it and tackling it head on all right and one of the ways she does this is perceiving or putting the effort into getting good quality items for her home and family as verse 18 says just as in that culture they would buy oil for their lamps because that was their source of light but they would buy good quality oil that wouldn't burn out because there's a difference in what you're getting, all right? So her, her heart is to get good things for her family. And just as a woman in this culture would use a spindle to make clothes, linens, or other household goods for her family, a virtuous woman uses the tools and technology available to her to ensure her household has everything that they need. Again, that looks very different in all art culture than it did back then. But that's the heart. That's the principle that's, that is establishing here. Verse 20. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. So the fourth attribute of a virtuous woman being she's compassionate to those in need. A virtuous woman sees someone in need and she stretches out her hands or she offers 
to help them, all right? She's not looking to other people. She's just offering to help. And honestly, just as an affirmation to the women in this church, it blesses me time and time again that when there is a family in need, you know, that they're recovering from some surgery or a woman has a baby or, you know, whatever it might be, that the women are very quick to like, how can we help you? Let's put together a meal train. Is there anything you guys need? Is there anything we can do for you? That's the type of virtue that is being described here, all right? They don't need to be asked to do that. They're naturally compassionate to those that need help. Amen? All right. goes on in verse 22. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. So the fifth attribute of a virtuous woman being that God blesses her family. All right. The fifth attribute is God blesses her family. Due to her attentiveness to her household, a virtuous woman's family is ready for the snow or the storms this life so often bring to us. And I would argue that that it's talking both physically and spiritually from a from a, a trial perspective. Adversity basically doesn't catch her family off guard, but rather they're clothed or they're ready for it. The Hebrew word translated to scarlet in verse 21, most likely meaning a double dyeing of material or basically a double thickness of material to protect against the elements. So her family is clothed and protected. But I think there's spiritual significance here in this color of crimson. This may be also speaking of a of this truth of how the greatest defense we can have against the spiritual battle or the trials we so often face in this life is in the hope we have in Jesus that a godly woman can absolutely be confident in and share with her family because they are robed or clothed in the righteousness of Christ because of the blood he spilled for them. They have nothing to worry about in any trial they're facing because God is for them and not against them. Amen? And verse 22 goes on to tell us that God blesses the virtuous woman herself as well with giving her things of comfort like bed coverings and then clothing made of fine linen. Purple items, as I shared when we were going through Acts, were expensive back then because of the dye being expensive. And then verse 23 tells us that the husband of a virtuous woman will also be blessed through her efforts as he is known or esteemed and respected by other men at the gates, the place basically where leaders would gather and sit and discuss important matters. And the husbands of godly wives being by far those who I see the Lord use in the mightiest ways in his church, often calling them to leadership positions. Maybe you've heard it said before, behind every good godly man is a better godly wife. Verse 24, it says, she makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. So the sixth attribute of a virtuous woman is that she is kind and caring. Okay, she's kind and caring. Not only does the virtuous woman take care of her own family, but she goes above and beyond in the making of excess necessities so she can sell them to the merchant, as it says there in verse 24. The idea is that 
The fruits of her labor and efforts don't just benefit her own family in her own home, but the blessing from them also extends to those beyond her household because of her care for them. And the fact that she's willing to sell this clothing, that she has spent time, effort, and money in making so others can be blessed with those necessities that need them rather than keep it for herself shows that she cares more about the display of her inward character rather than her outward appearance. And as such, as verse 25 says, strength and dignity are her clothing or what she is characterized by or what she's known by. And I love how it says that leads to joy for her, not only in the present, but for the time to come as she laughs at the time to come. And this is true. This has a way of proving itself to be true because those that are more concerned with their outward appearance often are those that struggle with worry or fear of what others might think of them, which robs them of joy. But not for this woman, because what she cares about most is her inner being, her inner character. That's her strength, all right? And that character is also displayed in her speech as it says, when she opens her mouth, wisdom and kindness is what comes out. She's not somebody that tears her family down. She's somebody that builds them up, all right, and encourages them. Verse 27, it says, She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. So the seventh virtue or the seventh attribute of a virtuous woman being that she is not idle. Because she looks or is so focused on serving her family well, and it's a lot of work, as we've already talked about and established, she doesn't have time to be idle. She isn't just busy with meaningless things, but rather in serving those around her. Her heart is to serve others, and she's willing to die to herself in doing so just as her Savior Jesus Jesus did. She's just following after her master, knowing that, it's the best use of her time is it's going to lead to a greatness in God's kingdom that's far greater than anything she could achieve in this world. Doesn't mean she need, doesn't deserve breaks or doesn't need breaks. That's not what it's saying. Amen? Basically, it's just saying that that is what drives her. All right? This desire for her family. Verse 28 shows us the results of these attributes in a virtuous woman's life. It says, her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also. And he praises her, verse 29, many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is in vain. Charm is deceitful because it, it can be manipulative in that it gives a false representation of somebody that eventually reveals itself. Beauty is in vain, not that it's to be forsaken, but the reality is that outer beauty doesn't last forever. So those things are passing. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. So the eighth and final attribute of a virtuous woman being that she will be praised and admired by those around her. God honors the virtuous woman and makes her one of the greatest blessings to his creation. And the only right response to that blessing is praise as we see her her family will see and experience the blessing that comes to them as a result of her godly character and wisdom and they'll praise her for it this not only describing something a virtuous woman will experience but also it's an exhortation to men 
to husbands, to children, to make sure you are verbally acknowledging how thankful you are for the godly character you see in your wife or mother and to make sure that you tell them how much of a blessing they are to you. In a very literal sense, if we as husbands value the same characteristics that God does in our wives and we see them displaying those attributes, we will feel and be saying the same thing as the writer of verse 29 and saying, I have the best wife ever. Every one of us, even though that sounds like a one-person thing, every one of us will feel that way. And that goes for kids too. You see those attributes and you acknowledge it, you say, I've got the best mom ever. And whereas a woman that is charming and beautiful on the outside also has attributes to be admired, they're inadequate reasons to marry someone as they won't last forever. But in contrast, a woman who fears the Lord or loves God above all else, she has a beauty and charm that never fades, never goes away. It lasts for all eternity and she should be praised for it. And this fear of the Lord is where all of this desire for these attributes comes from in this woman. As all the character traits discussed in this chapter are attributes God's word makes clear he desires for us. So a woman that loves God first is going to love his word and going to want that to be reflected in her life, which he's more than happy to help her with. Amen? And she most assuredly will receive fruit or rewards for her efforts, as verse 31 says, not only by God himself when she goes to be with him in eternity, but also she will be rewarded, as it says, her works praise her in the gates. Or basically, she will be rewarded by how well people speak of her because of her godly character that they praise her for. Not her ultimate motivation for her actions, but a pleasant repercussion for being a God-fearing woman. Amen? Amen. Amen. You guys don't sound so sure. Amen? All right. As I said in the beginning, God's word, including this section, it's always meant to be a blessing, not a burden. He's not holding any of you women up to this in judgment going like, oh, I don't know how she's doing today. Or, you know, check this, check this. No. Remember, he sees you as perfect as you could ever be through your faith in Jesus Christ. So if he's not doing that, don't do that to yourself, all right? You can absolutely know 100% through your faith in Jesus. He is pleased with you. Amen? We've got to remember, our identity is never found in what we do, but rather what's always been, already been done for us. That's our confident hope. Amen? But these verses do act as a roadmap to where, as a woman, you will be most fulfilled and blessed despite what your flesh might tell you, despite what the world would tell you. And so you should absolutely not let anything get in the way of experiencing that blessing that God intends for you. Amen? Amen? If you want to be happy, this God saying, man, this is where I might made you to experience the blessedness that I intend for you. Amen? Now, men... If God sees our wives as perfect through their faith in Jesus, you best believe that's how he wants you to view them as well, okay? Rather than holding them up to some microscope or holding them up to this saying, well, she does this and she doesn't do that. No, he wants you to see them in the same lens that he sees them in. And we need to make sure that we aren't putting expectations on them 
as I alluded to earlier, by adding things to God's word that aren't there that he never said. Because that's a tactic from the enemy to get you to expect something of your wife that God doesn't, that really shouldn't be a focus of hers, that can lead to numerous arguments and disappointments that are self-created by yourself. And surely I am guilty of that over the course of my marriage and those fights and disappointments that happen as a result of that are surely my fault. But we need to learn not to do that. But instead, we should be looking at the attributes God desires for his women, as we've seen here today, and acknowledging and praising our wives for those that we see in them that have brought blessing to our lives, all right? He says that over and over again, and then encourage them in those things and help them create an environment where it's easy for them to operate in those things, not expecting things that God doesn't expect. Amen? Amen. So, in the next five minutes, here's what's going to happen. You children in here and you spouses in here are going to tell your wife and praise her for the blessing she is in your life. All right? However you want, however that looks. If you came here as a woman with other women, then just tell them the blessing they are in your life, the godly characteristics that you admire in them. All right? And if you're here as a single dude, go call your mama when you get home. Whatever. You do what you need to do. But right now, this is what, this is what really stuck out to me in this, that charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. That's not an if statement, all right? She deserves to be praised. So give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. So we're going to spend the next five minutes and then we'll close in worship. I'm going to have the worship team stay up here for a sec just because um, I'm going to have the prayer team get around the room too because just as we were singing that song, there was something really heavy on my heart. And I don't know if it's the Lord, but um, if there's anyone in here that in a sense feels like condemned like because they're looking at like this list of what god is calling a virtuous woman and you feel like you're dropping the ball like you're not living up to this um and you're a believer in jesus christ well i'll I'll just i'll answer that question for you you are you're you're not living up to it in that that's why we need a savior right it's like we can never live up to like being perfect you know and often we we hold ourselves to a higher standard or we do hold ourselves to a higher standard in God because that the highest standard was Jesus. He was God in the flesh and he was perfect where we couldn't be perfect. And in acknowledging that and acknowledging that you aren't perfect and that you need him to save you from your sin, you needed his, his death on that cross to pay the price for your sins, your imperfectness, you received his perfection. So, of course, our flesh and the enemy is going to keep trying to get us to be condemned and, and guilt, feel guilty because we, we don't live up to being perfect. But we need to be reminded that, amen, I'm not, but God sees me as I am because of the blood of his son. That's grace, right? That's what we rejoice in. That's our hope. So if you're struggling with that, don't listen to that lie. Just receive that grace. Understand God is so happy with you and so pleased with you right now. And what that does is that drives you to God. Because you realize that, man, he loves me despite who I am. And, man, if he loves me that much, 
he's the only one that can really help me with this. And, and you go to him and, he, and he'll help you. And it's a gradual process, but he keeps, he's the one that empowers you. He's the one that helps you. He's the one that changes you. He's the one that gives you what you need to do the things he says so that you can be blessed. Amen. You can't do it without him. So you just draw nearer to him when you feel that way. Amen. Now, if you're somebody in here that hasn't placed your faith in Jesus, you might even agree with these things. You might say, well, I have these same desires. But I would imagine it's pretty hard for you because here's the thing. You're made in God's image. So yes, you have these these attributes, these, these character traits that are ingrained in you. But it's impossible to live them out with pure motives without God's help. And so what they often feel is like an impossible thing that you can never accomplish, you can never live up to, and it feels like you're just drowning and, and, and there's just no hope. And it's actually not bad necessarily to feel that way because it reveals your need for God to come into your life and help you, where you can't help yourself. And then that's where the responsibility falls on you to call out to God for help and say, Lord, I need you. I'm struggling to be a mom. I'm struggling to be a wife. My marriage is falling apart. My family's falling apart. And God is more than willing. And he's done everything that's needed to come in and be a part of your life and make up for your insufficiencies and help you in all these things. He wants to do that. He wants you to have the blessing he intends. And through his son's sacrifice on the cross, you can have that right here today just by acknowledging you need his help. You need him to save you from your sin. And so I'd encourage you too, if that's you, don't leave here. Don't leave here as you came. Leave here as a child of God. Leave here with Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit inside of you who can help you and enable you to do the things that you desire to do, the good things. Amen? So we'll have our prayer team around the room. We'll sing just for a little longer. If you've got to go, that's fine. You can take off. But... I don't want to miss a chance for people to respond and and God to meet them where they're at, where they need them to be. Amen. So we'll be around the room. You can come and get prayer. You can talk to God right where you're at too. Oh Lord, we, we know that that's true from your word and so thankful, Father, that you're the one that has made us right. You've made us beautiful. You've taken us from horrible situations, Lord, and restored us to glory. We're so thankful that we all have testimonies of that, Lord. And we're thankful that you're continually doing that work to the day that we're with you and we're perfect in your eyes. That's what your word promises, Lord. And so again, as we just were able to sit under your word and and hear these great things that you have for your precious daughters, Lord, I pray that we would take heed to these. We'd leave here not just be hearers of things, but doers, not in our own power, but looking to you, loving you, being those who fear the Lord first and foremost, and letting you produce those desires in our heart and then empowering us to live them in our lives so that we can be blessed, those around us can be blessed. May we as men be those that encourage the women in our lives toward you so that that can happen, Lord. May we not be a hindrance in any way. 
So bless everyone as they go from here. Bless the moms on this day with their families. In Jesus' name, amen.